Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, as we uh, continue to consider the truths of Christmas, the truths of the birth of your Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus, as we uh, continue to look at Matthew's Gospel and what you have spoken through him about it, may you be working in us this morning. May you cause us to look at your Son afresh, and Lord, help us to consider that the magnificent truths that we celebrate in the birth of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, have you watched a movie or listened to a song, not just once, but again and again and again and again? Uh, We are people of familiarity, aren't we? Uh, Even though we like the new and flashy things, we also like the familiar. We'll watch the same movies, repeat the same TV shows, listen to the same songs again and again and again and again. I was really exhausted over the past week, so on my day off, I turned on Netflix and I watched the movie series The Hunger Games. I've watched it three, four, or five times already over the past few years. It's a familiar story, but I just felt like watching it again. And maybe it's just me, but every time I watch a movie again, I see something different. I see something new, I see a detail that I never noticed, some layer to the story that I never picked up on. And that's what happens when you bring fresh eyes to a familiar story. It's the same story, but you learn more and you get a new and fresh appreciation for that story again. And as we continue our look into Matthew's retelling of the birth of Jesus, it's a pretty familiar story, isn't it? Especially today's passage that was just read out. I've read it hundreds of times. I've heard it preached at least 10, 20, 30 times. I preached it myself at least three times. And it's so easy to gloss over uh, these details. This story, yes, Mary was with child and the angel came to Joseph and they named him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And Joseph did all of that stuff. Well, if you've been around Christians in Christmas time, I think you need to work really hard to bring fresh eyes to a familiar story. I heard someone say over the past week that we are inoculated to the Christmas story. Believers, we heard it last year, we heard it last week, we heard it the year before, and the year before that, and the year before that. Non-believers, they heard it at their last 10 Christmas carols and services they've been to. They hear it on the radio, in their workplaces, and in the shopping centers. They see it in the nativity scenes at the shops over and over and over again. It's a familiar story. So my challenge to you this morning is to bring fresh eyes to a familiar story, to focus on the same truths, not new truths, but the same truths of Jesus' birth and to be wowed afresh, to find different things standing out, to even spot 
new details or layers to the story. And all of that, just, not just to gain more knowledge, but to appreciate the coming of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, all the more. I've definitely had this experience over the past week. I ripped our old sermons, chucked them in a bin. I asked questions about this passage that I never asked, and I've come away with a fresh appreciation of Jesus. And I trust that God will do this work in you too this morning. And this morning I'm pointing out three things about Jesus that I think God wants us to know. Well, if we rewind a bit, uh, if you look at your Bibles, uh, Matthew's just finished his genealogy from Abraham to Jesus. And if you look really closely, verse 16 is not as smooth as what we usually think. It says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. If you remember two weeks ago, if this is the line of God's promises, the line is the right one, the family, the lineage is the right one, but there's a slight problem here because Jacob is the father of Joseph, but Jesus isn't said to be the father fathered by Joseph. Jesus is born to Mary. It's a scandalous genealogy because it leaves some questions. It leaves a bit of drama because royal lineage, it's about the paternal line. Jesus needs to be the son of Joseph, to be the son of David, to be son of Abraham, Matthew 1.1. So who is Jesus' father? We know Jesus is born of Mary, but what's the paternity of Jesus? How does this scandal resolve? And this is where Matthew goes to as he begins the birth narrative, the birth story of Jesus in verse 18. If you have your Bibles, have a look. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph, they're not really introduced by Matthew. They're just thrusted into the spotlight. And this is because all of Matthew's readers would have known who Mary and Joseph were. They were a young couple. They were engaged. And engagement was slightly different back then. It was a firm legal commitment a year out before marriage where the girl would remain with her own family. And it was such a firm and legal commitment that this engagement commitment was only broken by filing for divorce. Unfaithful parties would be punished for adultery. So it is a real firm legal commitment. So this news that Mary was found to be with child before marriage and not through Joseph, it was really serious. It was a scandal. And Matthew adds an editorial comment here that the child was from the Holy Spirit. The child was from God. By the time of Matthew's uh, writing, uh, the truth of Mary's mirac miraculous conception, the supernatural birth of Jesus, was already a core belief in the early church. But Joseph, 
At the moment, he doesn't know that at the time, and he would have been shocked. And while Luke's gospel writes about Jesus' birth from Mary's standpoint, Matthew's gospel takes Joseph's standpoint and tells the birth of Jesus from there. And we see Joseph and his raw reaction in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. It would have been pretty unraveling for Joseph. You're engaged, you're in a marriage covenant already, you've been faithful in waiting for the marriage bed, but your betrothed wife starts growing a baby bump. So Joseph, being a just man, a righteous man, does what a just man righteous man does, which is someone who carefully observes the law, which says if a woman betrothed is not a virgin, they're no longer eligible to be married. So being a just man, he resolves, he concludes, he makes up his mind to give Mary a bill of divorce. And he could have made the situation a public display dragging her through the town in public, to the town square, to the court, to shame her publicly, to keep his honor. But instead, Joseph does it quietly. You see, that whole scene, it was normal for this to happen. It was in Joseph's right to do this, to divorce, to even shame. Joseph had resolved to get a divorce. But he didn't do this, did he? Well, what caused the change? Verse 20 shows us. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Mary's with child, Joseph is in the father, So who is Jesus' father? Well, this angel appears to Joseph. It's startling for us, but it happened throughout history for God's people. And the angel declares a few things to Joseph. We'll touch on more later. But for now, we're focusing on this phrase, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, this angel clears up what's happening with Mary. She hasn't been unfaithful. She hasn't broken her marriage commitment. In fact, the baby she is bearing is from God himself. And this reveals the first thing about Jesus for us today. Who is Jesus' father? Well, Jesus is the son of God. He's born from God's spirit. Jesus' true father is God himself. It's something that if you're a believer here, it's a central reality to our understanding of God. It's so central. But I think it's also so familiar to us that we often get too comfortable with and forget that Jesus is the son of God that Jesus is God come to us, that the good news of salvation in Jesus starts 
with Jesus being born as the Son of God. That God didn't leave us wallowing in our sin, but came to us through Jesus. And here in Matthew 1, we see the miracle of the incarnation. Why we believe Jesus is fully God. Why we say that God dwelled among us in Jesus. Here's what we mean by the virgin birth, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Spirit of God. It's so core that it's central in the Christian creeds throughout history. The Apostles' Creed, which we just sang before, says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. A lesser-known creed, the Athanasian Creed, says, Now this is the true faith, that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, is both God and human. Equally, he is God from the essence of the Father, begotten before time, and he is human from the essence of his mother, born in time. First thing God wants us to be reminded of today is that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, as we keep going, we may have answered one big question, but we may have opened up another big question. Because if God is the Father of Jesus, then how is Jesus the Son of Joseph? Is it even important that Jesus is the Son of Joseph? Uh, many of you know Doug Peterson. He's uh, 99 years old. Uh, he's usually here. He's not with us today. He's a bit unwell. Uh, but Doug and I catch up for coffee once every few months. And even at 99, Doug has a sharp mind. We, he keeps me occupied all the time. Uh, he's always asking questions, some good ones, some maybe not so good ones. Uh, but he's someone who exemplifies what I said in the beginning, bringing fresh eyes to familiar stories. And one time he asked me about the question that we have here. If God is the father of Jesus, then how is Jesus the son of Joseph? And is it even important that Jesus is the son of Joseph? So I hope that Doug, maybe he's online or maybe he's uh, listening later. Uh, this is a satisfactory answer to him, uh, but also helpful for all of us uh, this morning. Because linking Jesus to Joseph, I think, is a key issue and question for Matthew. You see, Joseph is a son of David. And the royal line, the line of God's promises, God's blessings, the kingly line, the line passed through fathers and sons, just as we've looked at in Matthew chapter 1, 1 to 16. You see, if Jesus isn't Joseph's son, then he's not paternally or legally a son of David. And that means he's not qualified to fulfill God's promises regarding his Messiah King. And I think as a result, we probably shouldn't sing glory to the newborn king, born a child and yet a king. In fact, there is no Christmas story if Jesus isn't the son of Joseph. There is no savior king. 
there's no complete fulfillment of the Old Testament if Jesus isn't the son of Joseph, the son of David. And if you remember verse 16's problem, Joseph's father is Jacob, but Jesus, his father, isn't mentioned. He's born of Mary. And now we know he's born of God. His mother, Mary, was a virgin. So what do we do with Joseph? And is Jesus really part of the royal line of David and Abraham through Joseph? So the second thing that Matthew does here, I think, is by showing us Joseph's side of the story, he answers the question, is Jesus the son of Joseph? And if so, how? Let's have a look at verse 20 again. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, this angel appears to Joseph. He highlights Joseph as a son of David. And then the angel directs Joseph to do two things. Firstly, to do the opposite of what he was going to do, take Mary as his wife, not to follow through on the divorce, especially now that he knows what's happening with Mary. And second, to call Mary's son's name Jesus. Jesus meaning God's salvation. He will save his people from their sins. And Joseph does both of these things in verse 24. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Both these two things significant because Mary and Joseph being mar married and Joseph being the father, naming this baby boy Jesus, they're both actions that secure Joseph as the legal, paternal, adopted, adoptive father of Jesus under Jewish practices, meaning that Jesus is truly a son of Joseph. And that's the second thing that we see in this birth narrative. Jesus is the son of God, but also Jesus is the son of Joseph. And this is so central to the gospel message, because if Jesus is truly the son of Joseph, he's also the son of David, not just through Mary's side, as the genealogy in Luke 3 shows, but a legitimate son of David in a father-to-son connection. This means that Jesus is indeed part of David's royal line. There is fulfillment in Old Testament, as we'll see soon. God's promises can and do point to Jesus through the son of David. And that's why we can sing of Jesus' glory to the newborn king, born a child and yet a king. Let earth receive her king. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. 
You see, Jesus is indeed Joseph's son, a true son of David, God's promised king and Messiah who will reign forever. Well, we've seen two truths about Jesus so far, that he's the son of God and he's also the son of Joseph. But the part of today's passage that we haven't touched yet, it's the center of Matthew's argument here. It's the first of a number of fulfillment formulas in Matthew's writing. There's actually 11 of these throughout the whole gospel. There's six of them in the first four chapters, and all of them linking Jesus to the Old Testament. And in all of them, Matthew inserts these comments to say, look at what the Old Testament said. Look at Jesus. That is being fulfilled here and now in him. And we find the first one here in verse 21. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Matthew shows a virgin bearing a son, a child being named and this child being God and man, born of God, but born to Joseph and Mary. And Matthew, he recalls Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The virgin will conceive, yes, and bear a son, yes, and they shall call his name. Yes, there was name calling here. But the name Isaiah gives, it isn't Jesus or Yeshua, Uh, But it's Emmanuel, not in a literal name to call the child, but to describe the child that's being born. Uh, My nephew James, uh, my brother also calls him Maverick, not because that's his legal name or anything, but because they think he's a maverick. But here, this baby born is called Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, the son of Joseph. God with us. You see, this name describes the identity of Jesus, the Messiah, perfectly. He's God with us. Fully God, born of the Spirit, yet fully human, born to Mary and Joseph. He's born of God yet born as a baby. And that's the third thing we learn about Jesus here. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Because you see, God, he didn't wait until we as humans could reach up to God. It's not possible. We're fallen and human beings. God came to us. And it's not a terrifying or judgmental coming to us, or a fear and trembling visit, God came as a human, a baby, God with us to breathe our air, to feel the dust of the earth, to enter our broken world and to be tempted by sin. Jesus, God with us, to even bear the punishment that we deserved, to save us from our sins, verse 21, by dying on the cross in our place. God with us. 
God coming down to us, the greatest act of grace and mercy and humility, God with us to comfort and deliver us from our greatest need. Tim Keller says in his book, Hidden Christmas, when God showed up in Jesus Christ, he was not a pillar of fire, not a tornado, but a baby. At Christmas, he came not to bring judgment, but to bear it for us in our place. That's why he's Emmanuel, God with us. If we look around the world at the little G gods and the idols people have made in history, they're all distant and far away. They don't care for their creation. They demand people to work for their salvation. They act not out of love, but out of sowing fear. There's no grace or mercy, no comfort or empathy. But Jesus is not us to God. He's God with us. He's God's ultimate show of love, God's care for humanity, his very good creation in Genesis 1 and 2. is God coming to us to save us in Jesus and God coming to us to empathize with our weakness and our humanity. Jesus, he's God's son. He's Joseph's son. Jesus, he's God with us. And these truths of Christmas, these realities we celebrate, especially at Christmas, they are life-changing and history-altering truths. Truths that we come to at this time of the year, they should confront us and they should make us stop and consider Jesus, the Son of God, the son of Joseph, the son of David, God with us. You see, if Jesus is the son of God, if you're looking for God for the first time out of curiosity, trying to make sense of life in the universe, or maybe you're a believer and you're just a bit lost, or you're looking to recalibrate, if you're looking for God, God's word today calls us to look to Jesus. Taste and see and know God through Jesus. If Jesus is the son of Joseph, a true son of David, this morning maybe you're looking for the king, the Lord of all, the one who God has provided for the universe, whom he wants us to bow our knee to, to serve and live for his promised one of old. If you're looking for the king, God's word today calls us to look to Jesus and bow the knee to him. If Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel, if you're looking for grace, if you're looking for the God of the universe who comforts, who sympathizes, who enters your mess, your brokenness, your struggles, your sin, your life, who walks with you every turn of the way, who comes and shows you grace. 
God's word today calls us to look to Jesus. God drew near to us in Jesus. God became a man. A man who died that we might live and lives that we may never die. God drew near to us in Jesus. And God calls us to draw near to him. To find grace, salvation, comfort, sympathy, mercy, and true life forever in him. These three truths and challenges about Jesus, they last long after the Christmas trees go down. They're truths to take and live for day by day into the new year and beyond. As we close, uh, some people... Uh, even Christians will say that we talk too much about Jesus. I've heard jokes, Jesus this, Jesus that. I've heard more serious feedback. Why do we talk about Jesus so much? But if God's word, God's plans, God's promises, God's salvation, all center on Jesus, if he is the reason not just for the season, but that our sins are paid for and we live forever, then we should, we really should make much of Jesus during Christmas, but also well beyond Christmas. In fact, every day of our lives. Jesus is the Son of God. Look to him. Taste and see and know God through Jesus. Jesus is the Son of David. Look to Jesus. Bow the knee to the right King. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Look to Jesus, draw near to him, and find rest and comfort in his grace. Let me pray as we finish. Father God, help us to look to your Son, your promised one, the long-awaited Messiah, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, this Christmas. He is the Son of God, your beloved Son. He is the true Son of David, your promised King who will reign forever. He's also Emmanuel, you coming to us, you drawing near to hopeless sinners to save us in Christ that he would make himself nothing, to be a man, to be a servant, to come to us, to be with us, to die in our place for our sin, and to rise victorious into new life forever. Lord God, may this reality of Emmanuel, you with us, be true and to be real with us, well beyond Christmas, as we look to and live for Jesus day by day until you come again in glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.